Good morning, everyone, and happy Mother's Day to everybody who has a mother. I guess that's everybody. Yeah, again. <laughs> this morning, I want to start off by saying how grateful I am for the privilege of being here and working with your children, and um, I am excited to be finishing up my first year at directing the children's ministry program, and I get some wonderful people to work with, so I want to just say thank you to all the volunteers that bless our children, our amazing Sunday school superintendents, junior church leaders, children's church teachers, kid club leaders, nursery helpers, valley preschool staff, church librarians, Sunday school teachers. There are so many people that help out in our ministries. So if you are a volunteer in any of our children's ministries, would you please stand this morning so that we can thank you? I appreciate you all so much. This morning we're going to hear from our first through fifth grade Sunday school children. Each week, they learn the scriptures through some wonderful songs that Miss Jan Schilke teaches them. And today, with the help of Brandon, they'll be singing Psalm 46, verse 1. So thank you also for everyone who prays for our children. I know as our programs are going on on Sundays and on Wednesday nights, many, many of you pray for us, and we appreciate that so much. We have about 30 teachers in our Sunday school program. They are wonderful, dedicated people. And there are many ways that you can join by either praying for us or if you're interested in helping and volunteering to be a teacher or an assistant teacher, there's always needs and always a place for you. So please contact me. So this morning I want to thank um, Jan Schilke and, and Brandon and invite the kids to come up and sing a song for us.
Sitting there thinking about just how blessed we are to have all these children. And uh, it's a great responsibility as uh, we answer God's call to help them know Him. And it's a great privilege. And we are, we feel very blessed. Thank you for all of, the, for all of you who involve yourselves in uh, helping our children know Christ. We have the, the privilege of uh, dedicating our children to God. It's one of the great joys that we have as a church. And we have the privilege again this morning of doing this. Bali and Elizabeth, God has blessed you with this little one. And today you come to dedicate God's gift back to him. You are here today because of your own faith in Jesus Christ. And in this public act of dedication, you're declaring your desire that she will be raised in the love and the grace of God within the nurturing spirit of the church. In this act, you're welcoming the prayers and the support of the church and declaring your desire that she would learn early the things of God and that her life would be defined by a lifelong commitment to God. that She might receive the promise of eternal life with Christ. But in order that this may be accomplished, it will be your duty as parents to teach your child early the fear of the Lord, to watch over her education that she may not be led astray by false teachings or doctrines, to direct her mind to the Holy Scriptures as expressing the will and authority of God for all humanity, and to direct her feet to the sanctuary, to restrain her from evil associates and habits, 
and as much as possible to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Will you endeavor to do so by the help of the Lord? In Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, we read these words. People were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Let the little children come to me, do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and blessed them. What name have you given your child? Naomi, Catherine. Naomi, Catherine, and Chibanu, on behalf of your parents, your family, and this church, I dedicate you to God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I think it's important for us to be reminded that dedicating our children to God is a, is a threefold covenant that is being entered into today. I sort of see it like a triangle, and God is at the base, and everything in her life, God is at work, and God is already at work, and he will always be faithful to her. We have no concerns about that. And Bali and Elizabeth have just made their commitment to be one side of the triangle, to do everything in their power through the grace of God, to bear witness of Jesus Christ to their daughter. But the church also has a responsibility. It's also... To be pacifiers, right? Yeah. Yeah. But we have a responsibility too. Uh, often our, our view of God is shaped by our experiences in the church. And so we have a responsibility to bear witness. In many ways, as Lori was mentioned a few moments ago, structured ways like classes and things, but also unstructured ways of just friendship and love and life. So let me invite you to stand and affirm your commitment to this little one and her family. As the church of Jesus Christ, will you, with the help of God, do everything possible to help Naomi grow in the nurture and grace of Jesus Christ? Will you love her? Will you be a godly witness to her? And will you help her to know and accept the grace of God in her life? If so, answer, we will. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy, your blessings to us. And today we thank you for the gift of life and children. Lord, we thank you for Naomi, for bringing her into this world and for blessing her and her family with her presence. Father, we thank you for everything that she is, that you love her with an everlasting love, and that will never change. Our prayer for her is that as she grows and matures, she would become to understand more and more the nature of who you are, and her life would be fully given to you, and that she would know the joy of life with you. We pray, Father, that she will know your blessing and your grace upon her in every moment of her days on this earth. We pray for Vali and Elizabeth as parents. May they know your grace to, do, to be the kind of parents that they desire to be. Give them patience and love and grace Help them to be agents of your spirit 
in the life of their daughter. And may you bless their home in every way. And we pray for Anna and Zoe as well, that as big sisters, that they will be a witness to their little sister, that their lives will be so deeply committed to you that she will want to follow in their footsteps. And Father, help us as a church. We have a great privilege and responsibility to nurture this little one in the faith. Give us the grace to do that, that the most natural thing in the world for her would be to follow you. So we place her in your hands, we dedicate her to you, and we do so with joy and thanksgiving because we know who you are and we know that you are good. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you. forward as we give back to God through our tithes and offerings.
stand as we continue in worship together.
Please be seated. Father, we want to give you thanks today that you've called us your children. We come today in gratitude and thanksgiving for who you are and for all that you have done and promised us. Father, as we gather today, we, we come recognizing and acknowledging our need for you, and the burdens on our hearts and burdens of this world. Thank you for how you blessed us with these children. We ask that you will help us to be a place where they can explore knowing about you and ask questions and then their understanding of you will grow and be nurtured. That they would experience throughout their lives the joy and the peace and the life that's ours in Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in other churches as well. Today we pray for St. Paul's Lutheran Church and Angelica and Pastor Hoyt. Pour out your spirit upon this gathering of believers that they would, they would know your presence with them in every way. Father, we thank you for your work in our nation and the world amidst some very difficult circumstances. We pray for places of tragedy and disaster that you would bring your spirit of healing and hope in the places of the world and in this country where violence and, and war are commonplace, bring your peace. Those who are refugees looking for a place to find home, bring that to them. And in all of these circumstances, may your people, your church, be agents of hope and life and truth, and love. Father, we think of your church around the world, and we pray today for the church in Egypt. We thank you for the privilege of having some connections here with the Wesleyan Church in Egypt. And we pray that that you will bless um, Dr. Sidholm, who leads the church there, the Wesleyan Church there. Continue to minister in his heart and through him. And we pray your blessing upon these churches in very difficult circumstances. We pray, Father, for the Christians throughout Egypt. As Ramadan is about to begin, Christians throughout the most many places of the world, we pray that in this, this particular time, they would be able to bear witness to your love and grace. And Father, for our needs here, we pray for those who are grieving, think especially of Kathy Reitenauer and her family. Bring comfort and peace in our grief. For those who are struggling with health issues, may your healing power be at work in each one. Thank you, Father, for being at work in our lives, giving us guidance about the future giving us hope when we may feel despair, meeting our needs in your wondrous grace. We pray all of this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
morning's scripture is from the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verses 1 through 6. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. This is the word of the Lord. I do want to uh, offer my word of uh, happy Mother's Day to those of you to whom that is appropriate. I uh, hope that today you get to spend some, maybe some time with your family or at least have a chance to, to connect. Please note that uh, next Sunday starts a, a bit of an adjusted worship schedule. You'll see the full schedule to the summer on the back of the bulletin. But next week we begin services at 8.30 and 11. And so we don't have 9.40 service for the rest of the summer. So just please take note of that uh, for next week. Let me invite you to take a moment to share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. I have a feeling that most of us live with a minimized view of heaven. We tend to have this image of heaven that, that I think is really small and skewed. We've been kind of given the impression that heaven is about clouds and harps and angels, and, and it, quite frankly, it doesn't feel that real. And if we're honest, it doesn't feel that great. And we need a new image of heaven, and we've seen a resurgence of that through a number of, of authors who've been writing and conversations in the church. We need a bigger picture of what God has prepared for us in the new heaven and the new earth. And I was thinking about that as I was reading something the other day where they were referencing uh, the, 
The Last Battle, which is the seventh book in C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. And in the, in the last battle, there is a, they have a story of, of the children who've been, you know, integral to all of the books. They are making their way to Aslan's country. And, and while they are anticipating arriving in Aslan's country, they are also grieving the fact that Narnia has been destroyed and is no more. That place that was so instrumental in their lives, the place where they, where they encountered Aslan, the place where they learned and grew and developed into people that they never dreamed they could be, that place is gone. And as they look to the future, as they look to the land of Aslan that they're making their way toward, they, they are struggling to, to give up the, the grief and the lament of what they've left and lost. And in the midst of that, as they are making their way through Aslan's country, there is this dialogue that I want to read for you. Those hills, said Lucy, the nice woody ones and the blue ones behind, aren't they very like the southern border of Narnia? Like, cried Edmund. Why, they're exactly like. Look, there's Mount Pyre with his forked head, and there's the pass into Archenland and everything. And yet, they're not like, said Lucy. They're different. They have more colors on them. And they look further away than I remembered. And they're more, more, I don't know, more like the real thing, said the Lord Diggory. Suddenly, Farsight the eagle spread his wings, soared 30 or 40 feet up into the air, circled around and then alighted onto the ground. Kings and queens, he cried, we have all been blind. We are only beginning to see where we are. From up there, I have seen it all. Edensmuir, Beaver's Dam, the Great River, and Caraparaval still shining on the edge of the Eastern Sea. Narnia is not dead. This is Narnia. How can it be, said Peter? Aslan told us that we would never return to Narnia, and here we are. Yes, said Eustace, we saw it all destroyed and the sun put out. And it's all so different, said Lucy. The eagle is right, said Lord Diggory. Listen, Peter, when Aslan said you could never go back to Narnia, he meant the Narnia you were thinking of. But that was not the real Narnia. That had a beginning and an end. He was only a shadow or a copy of the real Narnia, which has always been here and always will be here. It was the unicorn who summed up what everyone was feeling. He stamped his right forefoot on the ground and neighed and then cried, I have come home at last. This is my real country. I belong here. This is the land I've been looking for all of my life, though I never knew it until now. The reason why we loved the old Narnia is that sometimes it looked like this. What they are discovering in that scene that Lewis paints is that it's so much bigger I love her description of there are more colors. It's bigger. 
It's brighter. It's grander. And the reason we need to to understand more and more about what God has prepared for us in the new heaven and new earth is because it directly influences how we live on this earth. We often get it backwards. We often think that while we're living now is going to then allow us at that time. And there is certainly truth to that. But the reality that we find over and over again in the scriptures is that We are to focus on that world because it has a direct bearing on how we live in this world. And so Paul writes to the Colossians, think about heavenly things, not earthly things. Because when you focus on earthly things, you become very narrow and your view is skewed. But when you focus on heavenly things, the world and God and ourselves begins to open up to us. And one of the dynamics of thinking about heavenly things is that we get a new perspective of who God is, but also a new perspective about who we are. And and quite frankly, I'm coming to the conclusion more and more, we need a new vision of who we are. I love this passage in Revelation 22. You read through the book of Revelation, and quite frankly, we don't read it a lot because it's so confusing. Sometimes it's frightening. Every so often we read and we get these patches of thinking, I think I get that. But then you come to the last couple of chapters. At the beginning of chapter 22, John says, Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, a fresh crop each month. And the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and His servants will worship Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. Now, when I read Revelation, I see again and again, it says Jesus will reign forever and ever. But he's telling us here that we will reign forever and ever with him. Everyone who is a disciple of Jesus, everyone who has given their allegiance to Jesus, everyone who recognizes their need for Jesus and desires to follow Jesus and surrender to Jesus, when that day comes, we will reign forever. With Christ, that's our inheritance. We're royalty. We are royalty, and I'm not sure we always realize it. Jesus hints at this in his teachings in the Gospels. When he tells the the servant in one of his parables, well done, good and faithful servant. Now here's your reward. More responsibility, more authority, You will reign. That's been God's point, his his intent from the beginning. In Genesis, when he creates human beings, he gives them, he says to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth and reign over the birds of the sky and over the fish in the sea and over all those little animals that scurry around on the ground. 
God creates us to be royalty. I think the reason we need to grasp that more and more is because most of the time, maybe all of the time, because of sin, because of this broken world, we live and operate in our insecurities. When you read the book of Genesis, and you get to chapter 3, and Adam and Eve reject God, what happens? They feel shame. They run and hide. And they begin to blame each other when they're confronted. What you really see in the middle of that story are two people who have, for the first time in their lives, experienced insecurity. You think about what insecurity does to us. What is it that that makes us feel like we have to defend ourselves to other people? It's our insecurity. What is it that makes us hesitant to, uh, to, to, to just give ourselves in love to people who may not love us back? It's insecurity. Why do we wrestle with greed? Because something in us says we will only be valuable and worthwhile if we have enough stuff. Why do we grasp for power in whatever level of power that may be? Because something in us says unless we can control things, unless we can can be in charge of things, we don't have the kind of worth and value that we think we should have. What is it that causes us to hurt one another? Why do we struggle to love unconditionally? Because something in us says, if I don't prove to people that I am valuable and worthwhile, then they'll never know it. We have to prove to people that we love, that we are lovable, and that we are worth loving. And all of that is rooted in our insecurities. And why do we have insecurities? Because we don't really believe that we are who God says we are. We're children of God. We're kings and queens. We're heirs of our Father. And He has this great future planned for us. And we miss it. And so we live out of those insecurities. When we begin to get a grasp of of who we are in Christ, then the things that Jesus teaches us begin to make a lot more sense. That the first will be last. They become like a little child in order to enter the kingdom instead of having to prove ourselves worthy. You can give yourself away when you feel secure about who you are. You can love unconditionally when you feel secure about who you are. You can sacrifice. You can surrender. You can submit when you feel secure in who you are. And the great wrestling of our lives is that we don't feel secure because we have lost the vision of who we are in Christ. It's intriguing to me that when you read the scriptures, there is a connection between suffering for Jesus and the reward that God has promised us. Paul says this to to Timothy in his second letter. He says this to 
uh, to the Philippians in, in chapter 1 of his letter to them. He says this in Romans chapter 8 when he says, We are heirs of Christ. Because we are heirs of Christ, we can suffer for him and know that we have a reward. And I don't think Jesus is creating, or Paul's saying to us, there is this formula that if you suffer for Jesus, then it will bring you to reward. I think he's saying, once you begin to understand who you are in Christ and what God has planned for you, then you can give up yourself. When you understand who we are in Christ, we can tell people about Jesus without having to worry about our reputation. We don't have to live our lives trying to to make ourselves seem important. We can give ourselves away to issues of justice and poverty and hurt and pain and the needs of our world. The church no longer has to try to, to develop a world in which life is so much easier for us. But instead, we willingly enter into sacrifice and suffering for the good of others. And we create an atmosphere in this world in which flourishing can grow and develop. It's Mother's Day. And uh, it reminds us, I mean, for some of, some of you, this may be a tremendously important day in your life. It's a, it's a great day. It's a positive day. It's a day you look forward to. For others, it may be a day you dread. Maybe your experience either with your mother or other experiences, don't bring joy, but they bring pain and heartache. And the fact that that in our families we have these diverse opinions and that even in the very best of families there are struggles, we're reminded that family is messy. It's hard. It's difficult. And it's no different in the family of God in the church. It's messy. And we hurt each other and and we struggle with each other. Why do we do that? Because we are insecure people. If we could, as the church, begin to grasp who we are in Christ, unity, love, would be actually things that we experience on a grand scale. If we could just understand how God sees us, and who we are in Him. Fred Craddock is one of my favorite preachers. I lamented when he died in his late 80s, early 90s, a few years ago. I would walk miles to hear him preach. I remember hearing him tell a story once about being on a vacation with his wife down in the Smoky Mountains. Trying to get away, it probably took place in the late 60s, maybe early 70s. They went into a restaurant down there, sat down, and just conversing, talking. And they noticed an older gentleman who was sort of making the rounds of all the tables in the restaurant. And they assumed he probably was one of the owners or the owner. Eventually, he made his way to their table. How you doing, folks? Fine. You on vacation? Yeah. Hope you have a good time. Thank you. He, he just started to turn to leave, and he turned her back around. He said, so what do you do? 
Craig said, well, I teach in seminary. And the guy's eyes lit up and said, oh, you're a preacher. He said, I want to tell you a story. And he pulled up a chair and he sat down at their table and they're thinking, what just happened here? What, what's going on? <clears throat> he said, I was raised in these hills. And he said, my mother was not married. And the shame that was on her came to me. He said, children around town had names for me. I ate lunch alone. I hid during recess. I walked the streets of our little town and I, I saw people staring and whispering and pointing. He said, there was a little church back in the hills called Laurel Springs. That church had a preacher, big man, black hair, long black hair, big black beard, piercing eyes, or a Prince Albert coat, big crackly voice. He said he, he frightened me and he fascinated me at the same time. And so I started, I started going to that church. I'd always go late and I'd always leave early. I didn't want anybody talking to me and saying, well, hey, what's a boy like you doing in church? He said, one Sunday, people kind of bunched up in the aisle and I couldn't get out like I normally did. And I began to panic and fear that somebody was going to say something to me. And in the midst of that panic and fear, as I was trying to get away, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I gradually turned my head and I saw that black coat. I looked up at that big beard. And my heart sank. And that preacher turned me around and he said, he said, I, I know you. So you're a child of, so I thought to myself, oh no, here it comes. What's he going to say? He looked me in the eye and he said, son, he said, you're a child of God. And he said, go claim your inheritance. And the man sitting at the table that day said, I was born that moment. I was born in that moment. Fred Craddock looked at the man and said, Sir, he said, what's your name? He said, Ben Hooper. And Fred Craddock said, I I ran that name around in my mind, Ben Hooper, Ben Hooper. And then it came to me. He said, I remember my father telling me about how the people of Tennessee twice elected a governor by the name of Ben Hooper. And Paul says, think about heavenly things, not earthly things. For you died to this life in Christ. And your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you 
and you, and you and you and you will share in his glory because we're children of God. And the call of the gospel is to claim our inheritance and to live like we believe it. Father, help us to do just that. Amen. Please stand and sing with us.
Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.